Welcome to the Parents Place podcast with Hillary and Jen. Welcome to the Parents Place podcast today. We are excited that you are here. We have a special guest with us today. Um, and we are so excited that he has taken this time out of his schedule to be with us and to share some information that I think you as listeners are really going to appreciate. Um, so this is Antonio Ledbetter. And I'm just going to turn it over to you, Antonio, if you want to share a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do. Sure, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Uh, in where I'm at in Columbus, good afternoon. I'm not sure <laughs> if it'll be morning when, when it reaches you guys <laughs> or afternoon because I know the time is different. But uh, a little bit about myself. So starting off, my name is a little weird. It's uh, actually John Antonio Ledbetter, but my dad was also John, so just went to the Antonio part. Okay. Um, I'm originally from Gastonia, North Carolina. I graduated, went to Morehouse College in Atlanta, which is an HBCU. Uh, after that, well, that's where I got my degree in philosophy. And so I love to think that is my whole life. Um, and so when I found it and got it, my wife and everyone else that, you know, has seen it knows it's like, yeah, that fits you. <laughs> um, I am one of six kids. My mom had six kids, um, three boys, three girls. Um, married now for nine and a half years. It's a book worthy kind of story. It's a long story. That's um, all connected. We have four kids. Uh, the two oldest are from previous relationships, and I've known her since uh, from 15 years. I met her 10:09:08 at 6:54. You planned that right. <laughs> no, I didn't plan it. I did not plan it. Just a very weird, uh, inspirational day. <laughs> well, what a fun story to be able to share. Um, yes, coincidentally. So that's amazing. <laughs> yes. Um, my specialty, I'm a healthy relationship educator. And so what I do is I challenge every day. I get to challenge ninth grade high school kids to think. I challenge them to think about relationships, how to be leaders, and how to navigate our culture today. And culture is uh, something. It's a monster all by itself. <laughs> Both good and bad. It has good parts, but it also has bad parts. And you've got to filter through all of what's there. Yeah. Um, I think there are many that are listening to um to what you're saying and as you share that you are working with ninth graders i think there's a lot of people that are in their hearts are saying bless you dear man because there's not very many individuals that could say oh my goodness i love working with teens so what drew you to that teenage population um so as my christian background honestly I believe strongly this God led me to this field. Um, I definitely believe it's a calling. I don't think it's for everybody. Um, but it I kind of ended up working towards this with with that kind of leading. I started being a parapro to, to fourth graders. I didn't realize all of what came with fourth grade. And then I ended up working with pre-K kids. And I absolutely love working with pre-K <laughs> kids. Um, and then I ended up working with the Methodist home 
working with boys who had had issues and challenges in life, which led me to working in the public high schools, doing what I do now. Uh, also, I had a phenomenal mentor, uh, Mrs. Austin. She spent a year helping me to hone my skills and get some of the ins and outs on how to you know, do what I do. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. And I say that with all jokes, you know, because I both Jen and I have teens. Um, and I, I think that for me, my yeah. oldest is my oldest is 14. So we're just beginning this realm of teenage years. And there are times where I look at him and think, what is going on in that brain of yours? <laughs> but then there are other times where I say to myself, this is such a fun stage of life. And I love being a parent to a teen and being able to watch them grow and learn and develop and build skills and yes. gain their own opinions and perspectives. And so I think there's so much going on during that stage of life. That there is. So I mentioned so I had four um, in having four. Coincidentally, they all are five years apart. And so the oldest, she's 18 and then 13 and then eight and then three. My my son is the youngest of so three girls, one boy. Uh -huh. My son is three <laughs> <laughs> and each of them has their own personalities and they've never, you know, how they navigate life is completely different. Yeah. So I definitely I can say uh, without sounding churchy, I practice, try to practice what I preach. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. And you're right. Every stage of life with kids, there's a blessing and a part that you got to work with. <laughs> oh. I remember I had a coworker that would always say, this may be a hard year in your child's life, just developmentally and whatnot. But remember that they will only be three once and they will only be five once. And so enjoy those good things that come along with those ages and so I try to remember that when that my 17 year old is is being 17. <laughs> yes every uh, the same way we do with seasons you like I I do not like the cold that comes with winter but I absolutely love eggnog and hot chocolate <laughs> and the snow when it's just enough snow to look on the ground and be pretty I, I love those parts so it's appreciating what's there for what it is you have mm -hmm. to. And that, I believe it's no different than with parenting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So I I want to learn a little bit more about what exactly you teach to these youth um, in, in the educational setting. But before we do, let me ask you, you talk about, you know, teaching youth about healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. um, Let's start with why. Like, why is that so important? Why is that something that we need to focus on, both as parents and as an educational system? Why is that something that we want to want to do? Relationships impact every part of our lives: family, school, academia, later academia. Even if you you know don't do regular schools, whatever form of academia you do, your work experiences, who and how you date, marry. And unless you plan on living in a bunker, you're going to have to deal with relationships. Mm -hmm. And even in a bunker, you still got to deal with you. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to deal with relationships, including the relationship with yourself. Um, yeah. Another part, which is kind of my passion for it, is I learned healthy relationships, if they're done right, healthy, they help us live longer and to be happier. In fact, the most important factor to human happiness is relationships. Uh, there's a Harvard study 
uh, study of adult development. It's 80, 85 year, I think now. It's 80 plus years. Study done. Uh, it was published in Harvard Gazette and it's on all on YouTube. Um, but Robert Waldinger and Mark Schultz, I, I, Mark Schultz, I always say their names wrong, but they did this study on adult development. 80 year study looking at guys that, and it was guys and girls, but guys from when they were really little all the way up until in their 90s. And they looked at what made the difference. And it he came away with three big lessons. He wrote a book called The Good Life. And three big lessons about relationships that he found was social connections are really good for us and loneliness kills. Loneliness mm. is as powerful a killer as smoking and alcoholism. Mm. And another lesson was not just the number of friends. It's not about the number of friends you have. Um, and it's not whether or not you're in a committed relationship. It's the quality of your close relationships that matter. The quality is what matters the most. Good relationships don't just put these. He, if you watch his TED talk, this is what he talks about in his TED talk. But it's worth bearing in hearing again if you've never heard it, uh, hearing it for the first time. But if you've heard it, listening to it again is a reminder. Um, good relationships don't just protect our bodies. They also protect our minds. Having someone you can rely on helps your nervous system relax, helps your brain stay healthy, and it's even uh, known to reduce emotional pain. You can bear more in life when you have somebody there with you. It's one of the things that we understand with football and, you know, passage of rights. When you have people that join with you, you can deal with it. Something, because I, I, I'm also a nerd, in doing my own research, I found, and they've done brain scans on it, when a person is rejected, like you, you're talking to somebody and they are purposely not listening to you, choosing to ignore you, they've shown on brain scans, it literally shows like uh, a physical hit, like damage, mm. like pain damage to you in someone ignoring you on purpose. That's crazy to me, but it's it makes sense. We need people. We need relationships. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I am somewhat familiar with that TED Talk, but we will make sure we include that in our show notes, because like you said, that is a great um, video and also the, the book as well, too, to um, resource for our viewers. So we'll make sure that they have that included. Um, sure? I love one of the things I love about uh, that TED Talk, and, and you stated it yourself, is that idea of quality versus quantity, because I think that our world is sending the opposing message to our youth that they need to it, have yeah, a huge circle around them and so many followers on social media. And if you don't have that, that you don't mean you're not, you know, you're not you're worthwhile. Not and so I, and I love exactly that. Exactly the, the opposite. It's exactly the opposite. It, what does it mean to have 10,000, 10 million followers and be lonely? Yeah. yeah. Have no one, if you get sick, no one to come check on you. Mm -hmm. All they can do is go, oh, no, they haven't posted today. Mm -hmm. Those really aren't true relationships. I mean, you're you have a relationship with a screen pretty much. And that's that becomes the lonely part because you do need that connection with people. Yeah. And we, we are doing it. Culture has pushed making this is me but culture has pushed making money 
and the dopamine addiction of I can scroll and I can scroll and I can scroll and I can scroll to the point where you all of the time that you spend on TikTok and and I don't get me wrong I love my TV shows and books and you know reading and all of those things but not spending time with the people that you care about the most it's almost impossible to find in culture today somebody that would go on it like if you're dating somebody to go out on a date and them not look at their phone mm -hmm. making it even to making it a challenge whoever pick up their phone first has to pay the bill there's <laughs> I'm trying to make it quote unquote fun but that's one of those things you won't even realize you do it we've made our phones people yeah. mm -hmm. And our there priority a, when it comes to people. And our priority. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Literally in classrooms, if a teacher has to take a kid's phone or the principal takes their phone, the kid shuts down and they're like their whole world is ending. And at first I used to, you know, look like, oh, you poor child, you just need to lose, you know, let that go. But I left my phone at home one day and sat, you know, after a class left. In the break in between was almost wanting to go hide in the corner and just kind of huddle for a second like oh man I, what happens if i don't have it we've it's bad let me just say it's yeah. bad there's a great you know, commercial that um it shows the person in two different situations and one is always looking at his phone and it shows all of the things that he missed as he was looking at his phone and then it would show him without his phone. And I just love the ending part because he knocks into a girl and then they end up going and having um, coffee together or something like that. But it's just like same scenarios in both, but what you miss and then what you got just by taking those moments of not being on your phone. Yeah. It matters. And but, what's funny is we spend so much time on them that we don't where we could be connecting with others, we don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. I was I was uh, with a group of friends uh, a few weeks ago when we were talking about this idea of phones and having phones that were always with us, easily accessible at any point. And it's so interesting. You will you will both remember this. It was not that long ago when we did not have cell phones and. You know, you would call someone's house and if they weren't home, you'd leave a message. And eight hours later, that person would respond back. And that was normal and it wasn't a big deal. And we weren't stressing out about, did they get the message? Did they not get the message? But we are so accustomed to having this instantaneous Instant. response. And if we don't get that, it does. It causes us a lot of stress and grief. And, and, and anxiety. Just, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and kids and today is this there. They literally, I've watched, you know, being in the classrooms with all these kids, they in so many different classrooms. If boyfriend texts in the middle of class and girlfriend can't answer the phone, they, you just help them start an entire drama field. So, so you just ignore me? Mm. Okay, so we need to think about breaking up if you're just going to ignore my message when I messaged you. Uh, my mama's calling and they will make whatever excuse, whatever reason. My mama's calling me. I got to I got to go to the bathroom emergently. Whatever it takes to have it be instant and it meet that need of, OK, I connected a little bit. It still shows that we need to connect just not quite the right way. <laughs> I'm just yes. thinking this can't be. The, well, I know it's not healthy for relationships. 
because of the fact that you can't base a relationship off of texts or phone calls or or it's whatnot. So funny. I go into that uh, a lot with them that, you know, they in their everyday conversations, they end up with the black screen of death, which is they keep it their screen off uh, on mute. And th in text, you can be way more bold or way more mm -hmm. edgy than you would normally be in text versus being with the person. And because of it, a lot of the kids, when I, I show them an example, they're like, dang, why, you do make it look weird versus being, you know, one on one with somebody like why? Why is it weird that you don't have anything to talk about and that it's just y'all two sitting together? I mean, we already said everything we need to say. Well, once you pick the phone back up, you're going to go right back to talking. Yeah. Right back to full blah, 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 all the rest of the night. And then they've gotten to where one of the things that they do is they fall asleep on the phone together. That's mm. a type of intimacy that they see. They got to get those minutes in. Mm. Get that time up. I was like, what do you win? Being silly, but what do you win? Uh, nothing. Mm -hmm. you just, it's, it's a goal. You just... That's how you know you're close is how long you spend on the phone with the person. We made it. Me and my boo, as I had one student go, me and my boo, we made it to 24 hours on the phone together. Wow. <laughs> that means you didn't hang up your phone at all. Like y'all went to sleep. You just set it on mute while you were in the shower, while you were on the bath, you know, in the bathroom. They just went with you. And you. Just... it's amazing how much we are connected and how different it is today. Yeah, I never would have thought that that was looked at as a source of intimacy. It's a big sign of That's, boyfriend, girlfriend for them. That is so interesting because it's so. Not everybody. Uh-huh. Not everybody. Right, right. But it's it's definitely in there. But it's so far from the truth. That's mm -hmm. not what, you know. Connection is empathy. Being there, I mean, that is just so. I never would have thought. It's about that some their presence. Kids think, yeah. It's like, and I joke with them because I ask, "Why do y'all do that?" And they're like, "I don't know." Well, we did weird things, you know. One of the things that I did, I can't speak for everyone, but one of the things that I remember growing up that was really corny, but people did it was they would joke back and forth. No, you hang up, girl. You hang up. No, you hang up. And. That's so far from what they do. Instead, they're just like, let's fall asleep on the phone together. <laughs> and it's like, but it, it's about their presence. It's like they're right there with you. Yeah. So you get an image of it without getting in the full person. Mm -hmm. Which is what they're walking around with, an image of people. Mm -hmm. I just looked at this one commercial, uh, not commercial, meme, because, you know, memes are powerful. It had an apple in a mirror. And the apple in the mirror on the side that was facing the, you know, the part that the mirror saw had this smooth red apple and it was gorgeous and shiny. But on the other side, the side that you could see, the apple was bitten into and it had already uh, started to turn brown and it was like half the apple was cut out on the inside. And it was the meme was talking about our reflection in how we look at society and how society sees us when it comes to Instagram and Facebook and all these social media things. They don't get to see the real you. They get an image. Mm -hmm. And we live on that image. Mm -hmm. mm. That is such a that's such a powerful analogy, because I think you're so right. It, it would be intriguing to sit down with these couples after their 
24 hour date or whatever they refer to it as and say, okay, well now give me an, how much you actually learned about each other to find out how much they actually know about each other through that process. Because like you said, we're on the device. And so we can strategically choose to show what we feel is our best self. And if there's a time where I'm like, no, I've got to, I've got to fix my hair. Give me just a second. I can put the phone down. So you mm -hmm. only see that fraction of what I want you to truly see. Which is every time in your power, in your control. Hold on. I don't want you to see this. Back up. Yeah. And then try to get into a real relationship where all of those wonderful flaws show up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's very different world. Yeah. So I'd love to hear a little bit more as to. So you mentioned again earlier that you go into um, you go into schools and mm -hmm. you teach educational programs. Tell us a little bit about these programs that you teach. Uh, the program I teach is uh, Real Essentials okay. from the Relationship Center. Um, and I don't know, I, I've adapted what they've given out and they have a phenomenal course and set of uh, principles. And I just worked with what I know from life experience into that. Mm -hmm. But so Real Essentials realist is what we teach. Real Essentials. Is that a program that can be asked accessed nationwide? Which, yes. Like if we're in different states, how can we go about seeing if that is something that's offered in our area? Uh, that's a great question. I know it, the website is the, my relationship center, I believe. Okay. Um, but Real Essentials stands for Relationship, Education and Leadership. And okay. So, I'm sorry, I should have said that earlier. The relationship, education, and leadership. And okay. so I use all those words to all of the words in that acronym to point out what you should be looking forward to when it comes to life. And so what I end up being able to to do is talk to kids about healthy relationships and why they should wait to have sex mm -hmm. as one of the big goals, as well as how to be a leader in life. Mm -hmm. um, because you kind of have to have both if you want to be successful the two you know for me when I was in high school working my way up to college as a young philosopher it was filled with a million thoughts I thought well the only two things I know that everybody you know when you see people really old and they're successful is they have a great husband or wife and mm -hmm. they have a lot of money so hmm. how do I get there yeah how do you get there okay yeah. So for those of us that may not have that program in our area, not that you have to go through everything right now on this podcast, but what are some of the basic takeaways that maybe listeners can start to have those conversations with their kids at home? Um, one of the biggest, uh, I would even go, a lot of teens have misconceptions about relationships. And so I would probably because it's, it ends up being on the parents to talk about it a lot, mm -hmm. which I'll go more into. But a lot of it is just understanding some of the misconceptions that teens have. You don't have to date. You don't have mm -hmm. to have sex. You don't have to be with someone. You don't have to be popular. You don't have to fit in. You don't have to be loved by someone at your school. Mm -hmm. Boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, it, you do need friends, but you don't need a whole lot of friends. 
and you need to work on having purpose. What do you what do you want out of life? What do you want to do? And what's crazy is in, during that time period, you're still learning who you are. Mm-hmm. That's your that's like your life goal at this point is learn who you are. Who are you? What do you want? And unfortunately, uh, culture, again, I'm not attacking culture because culture has some great things. But one of the things that it does is it sells us this fairy tale of get them, got them good. Mm. Get them, got them good. Okay, got to get a girl, got to get a girl, got to get a girl, got to get a guy, got to get a guy, got to get a guy. Okay, I got him. Come on, Boothang, we're going to go do this. Yeah. You don't want to do this with me? Well, then fine. Forget you, Boothang. I'll go find out what I want to do with my life myself. And then I'll find me a Boothang. Well... Mm. Let's do that first. Find out what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fairy tales sell sell so many misconceptions in our American culture. You're gonna find this person, you'll automatically get there, you'll connect, and it'll be happily ever after. Even down to, and don't get me wrong, I do believe that there's it's more to it, but we are really big on finding the one. Yeah. And once you zing, connect, click with that person, you vibe really well. There, that that's it. You don't need to do any other searching. And I, I don't know if you guys uh, have had kids around the time of Frozen, the movie Frozen, uh-huh. but I think it's a wonderful example because she finds this guy in the movie, and they click. But you find out really, you know, soon in the movie. I mean, it's like a short three-minute song. That's their whole relationship. It's three minutes. Short three minute mm-hmm. conversation, and then they go, Can I ask you something crazy? And she goes, Can I say something crazier? Yes. And it was like, Wait a minute. Whoa. How did you get to where you finish each other's sandwiches like this? Finish each other's sentences. <laughs> that was, you know, that was the joke that they made. That's what I was going to say. And <laughs> it's exactly where kids are today is, Oh, yeah, we did sort of think the same. No, you didn't. <laughs> you really <laughs> didn't. And it takes somebody being like the older sis- sister, Elsa, and being like, you just met this man. Yeah. Slow down. You just uh-huh. met them. Relationships don't happen or shouldn't, in my opinion, happen as fast as they do. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of teens mess, you know, mess up. That's where a lot of parents should be able to give their advice. Um, it's a lot like buying a house, honestly. You buy a house, and even if it's the house of your dreams, there's still something in the house, usually, usually, that you're like, I don't really want that part. And you evaluate and you decide, is this really, you know, what's going to work for me? Mm-hmm. But you have you together to know that. And you get a lot of kids that don't know themselves at all. Personality, what do you like? And, uh, you know, there's a person that I go over a personality test and course piece on finding out and it's four animals and I, I won't go into all of that today but just knowing your personality makes a huge difference hmm. um knowing who you are being okay with being by yourself uh in many different situations can you go to the library by yourself can you go to the movies by yourself are you going to be uncomfortable being by yourself at any of these places if so if you easily get bored of you What's going to happen if you get somebody else? What mm-hmm. most kids do is they get somebody going, all right, I'm bored. Entertain me, boo thing. Begin. Start. Yeah. Go. <sighs> Even down to having a conversation. 
<laughs> having I, I play a game with them, having a conversation and just pass a tennis ball, go, let's have a basic conversation. How are you doing today? <laughs> and then, as you know, they say something and then respond back. And what I found is funny is in just having that little bit of conversation, most people don't know how to throw the conversation back mm-hmm. by asking something as simple as asking a question. Mm-hmm. And they'll sit there and look, they'll get ready to try to throw me the tennis ball and I won't reach out for it until they, you know, ask me a question. And then usually they're at some point, because we don't do um, silence and just being still well, like your average person doesn't do well longer than 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? 10 seconds. And then you're like, all right, uh, let's do something. So when they start getting anxious, they'll throw the tennis ball at me and I just let it hit me or let it fall. <laughs> and then they just look like, uh, now I'm at this weird un- part and I'm like, wait, you, you didn't, so what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Conversation is like playing tennis. It's like a tennis <laughs> game. I throw mm-hmm. you the ball. I hit it to you. You hit it back to me. And where they are today is they will end the conversation with something that you can't start a conversation off of and you expect the other person to do it. So it'd be like, how's your day? Great. Okay. <laughs> yeah. blink, blink, where do I go blink, from blink. here? <laughs> You want me to, what you're doing is putting it on me to continue the conversation. And I'm not judging anybody because I've, you know, there are adults who do it and I've had to learn how to communicate to do better. But if you don't add anything to it, if you don't ask me a question, it stays with you. Mm-hmm. And they are learning how to have that kind of conversation um, because text takes that ability away. Mm-hmm. If you made a conversation like you do a text it would literally be the same as if i were going and then start back when i feel like it because that's what we do in text Mm -hmm. literally that where you just stop how many texts have you ever gotten where you you see the text and you respond when you feel like it oh you can't do that in real life With a person staring at you you can't do that but Mm -hmm. technology and how we communicate today has gotten us there Mm. You know, I um, as you're describing these, I'm just envisioning like a, a spider web, because like you said, healthy relationships, you said this at the beginning, healthy relationships affect everything in our life. Mm-hmm. They affect they affect our home life. They affect our careers. They affect our education. And, and this was a great example of you just sharing like this is communication 101. Yeah. What we assume most people know and or have learned at some point. But having healthy relationships in your life outside of just on devices allow us to build that skill. And Mm -hmm. so I'm just thinking, man, this goes, I mean, (laughs) having these relationships in our lives, it it takes us back to even elementary age when we're learning these basic social skills and social cues that are going to help us succeed in life. It's just like math. And what's mm-hmm. funny is most people, when they're first learning their number, like they first get it with two plus two equals four and all. I get it. I got this. Don't have to work any. But all math does is build on other math. Uh-huh. Right. That's literally how math works. You start with your two plus two and then you get to two times two and then you get two divided by twos and it starts going crazy after that. But it, once you've got the foundation, which is a lot of where. Uh, teenagers get is they've got the foundation to life and so it's that's part of why they feel like they know everything i've got the foundations i know two plus two (laughs) i know two times two you don't have to tell me that i can do math but (laughs) trigonometry 
and calculus build off of those things. You'd be amazed at how much information and how many things we take for granted that we know that we never dive into. I did a challenge uh, with one class on everyone knows their ABCs, right? I'm not trying to insult anybody's intelligence, but everybody knows their ABCs. But how well? If I were to pick a random letter and ask you to go backwards, could you go backwards from that, mm -hmm. you know, from that letter without the song? <laughs> without the song, can you go? It's it's amazing. Everyone knows their ABCs, but how well? Yeah. And I'm not challenging anybody to do that because I I'm gonna be honest with you, I couldn't do real well with my ABCs going backwards. At not without the song. The I need the song. <laughs> I need the song. But it, it ends up being just like that, to where you can truly believe you know a lot more than you think you do. And it takes time to realize you don't. One yeah. of my favorite quotes. And man, I want to make sure I get his name right. I always mess up his name. The the author who did uh, Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer, Mark Twain. Mark Twain. Yeah. Uh -huh. he, one of my favorite quotes he did was, when I was 14, I thought my father was the dumbest man who ever lived. But when mm -hmm. I turned 21, I couldn't believe he got so smart in seven years. <laughs> it's because some of those things you only start to understand as you get older. Yeah. As you experience more in life and dealing with teens, they they have the ideas. But something I, I, I would bring out to parents to know that blew my mind in working with kids is so prefrontal cortex, which is where um, you do your long term thinking. Mm -hmm. Doesn't activate for them until 21. Mm -hmm. They can't plan out five years from now easy or like and i'm not gonna lie as an adult i have a hard time remembering and thinking of what i'm gonna do for tomorrow yeah. and you're asking a teen to figure out what they want to do with the rest of their life when they can't they literally cannot process five years from now we yeah. put a lot in that and i'm not i'm not judging any parent they still need to have goals. They need to, you know, work towards those goals. It becomes your job to help them get those goals and uh, work towards that. And that's one of the things I was going to bring up later. But as a parent, you are their biggest teacher. You are mm -hmm. their biggest influencer. Your opinion, your influence matters. Mm -hmm. And uh, another quote that I learned today, because I love quotes, uh, that actually... I feel like would help is the most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. Mm. Mm. It's Alice Walker. The most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. There are a lot of parents who don't believe mm. that they have influence with on their kids mm -hmm. and you still are their biggest influence. 70 and it's, you know, studies and resources show it 70% more kids still see their parents as their biggest influence yeah how much more should that be seen when it comes to something like an issue or you know a talk on dating or having mm -hmm. sex or any of the big things that you're like oh god you know i i need to be prepared for life well you got to do it yeah your job as a parent and where i go into most high schools most kids don't have those kinds of conversations because it's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. And the other part, I mean, there's a 
lot to it. One side for the kid is, oh my God, I don't want to talk to my parent about this. It's a little bit embarrassing and they're going to make it awkward and they're going to overreact and they're going to be judgmental. And again, I can't judge anyone because between me and my wife, my wife is wonderful at having those kinds of pieces. She is, and so my kids talk to her. If it's something that's like, mom, I did such and such. She knows how, and I would suggest that as a skill every parent needs, how to calmly and coolly respond and listen, just listening. Mom, I found this boy in my school. He's so cute. <laughs> and be like, oh, yeah? Versus me, who's like, what? What's his name? Where's his address? Where's I need to hunt him down. <laughs> Who are his parents? <laughs> I'm going to look him up on the internet. You show me his picture. Come and show me. Instead of overreacting, that is what they fear the most is yeah. overreaction. They want your opinion. They just don't solely want your opinion. Mm -hmm. As in you look down and talk down going, this is what you need. It, there's a balance to all of this, of course. There are boundaries and all of that. I strongly believe that one of the biggest pieces is not you're not their friend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're their teacher, and you are literally, literally their life coach. You're a yeah. life coach. Yeah. You help them with the rest of their life. You're there to encourage them. You're there to challenge them. You're there to make sure they have the discipline they need, and you don't get paid for it. <laughs> All of that, and you don't get paid for it. Best job but ever, right? <laughs> best job ever. It's rewarding in its own sense, and I've talked to many a grandmother and grandfather and they say the real reward is grandkids i hadn't got there yet i'm <laughs> gonna be slow on that but the real reward is grandkids so if any parent out there is struggling with oh my god why do this parenting thing why not just you know send them to alaska and just leave them there grandkids if you okay. want grandkids <laughs> remember that grandkids <laughs> but you know i think that that is like such a good reminder to parents because I think a lot of parents get this idea in their head that I do a lot of guidance and direction when they're young, mm -hmm. but then they hit those teen years and they're kind of just on their own. Mm -hmm. And I'm just now observing. And I think that we need to remember that we can take more than just an observer role. Like they still need us. They still Absolutely. need us. They may need us more than they, they have They need before. you now more than ever before because the world is both kind and cruel yeah. culture is out to get them in it mm -hmm. and where I, I keep saying culture and it's not all negative but it's not all positive and i'm not going to yeah. pretend like it is there's a lot that's going on tv just the, just three violence sex and the amount of cussing that's out in the world and i'm not against you know i'm not saying anything on that but just looking at it's 300 percent increase over what it was less than 20 years ago wow wow i wow. remember tv when and I'm, again i'm not against all of the pieces but there are some that just have you have to be like hmm, why is that i remember cartoons where the husband and the wife you never saw them even being in the same bed mm -hmm. yeah now you have strangers who are in bed and it's the start of the show yeah, yeah. It's just a lot. Uh, another piece I would bring up is kids are watching 
way more than you realize. You mm-hmm. are their biggest role model. So it's not just what you say, it's also what you what they see, what mm-hmm. you do. They see it most. Um, and I kind of wouldn't mind if you would help me out just because I'm one that I'm visual and I like using my hands. So I'm going to give you an example to show what I do with them to get the example. And so I think bring it up like learning how to have relationships is a lot like how you would do with language. Where mm-hmm. did you learn your language from? Yeah, from your parents. Your parents. Mm-hmm. And so work with me. I'm going to go. Uh, if the parents speak English, what do the parent? Uh, if the parents speak English, what do the kids speak? English. English. Parents speak French. What do the kids speak? French. French. Swahili. Swahili. Bad relationships. Bad relationships. Bad. Bad. <laughs> yeah. They get it whether they want to or not. They get it from their parents and what they see around them. Uh-huh. And, and that's true. And we we know it in little pieces. I don't know if you guys, I'm guilty of it. I know for sure. Any, have you, either of you or any of you guys out there listening, have you ever had a moment where you like, I sound just like my. <laughs> oh, yes. Did Most you definitely. intentionally do it? No. No. You are the sum of your habits. Yeah. You are the sum of what you observe. The biggest way we learn is we observe. Which is amazing and scary. That's why mm-hmm. I bring up culture as much as I do. You end yeah. up absorbing more information than you ever would realize. And you pick it up. And if someone were to ask you, where'd you get that from? I don't know. We, to this day, and I don't know about you guys, again, but my generation, we had these wonderful commercials that had these jingles. And you learn these jingles like it mattered. And you didn't try. Like, I, I, I'm i not the biggest coffee drinker, but I still remember the best part of waking up. It's Folgers in your cup. <laughs> and th- they live rent-free in my head. They mm-hmm. have bought that part of my brain. I can't take yeah. it away. It's always there. And if you can have something like that, a quick little jingle, stay in your head for the rest of your life, how much more TV, media, all those things. Again, all of it's not bad. But I'm saying be aware of all of what's there. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that just just the and like you say, like with culture, it's not always bad. But I think the thing about culture is that it is constantly changing as well, too. Like you have showed us visually that our world is different than what it used to be, even when we were younger. And so I think even just having an involved parent to help them maneuver the cultural changes because they may be seeing things that they haven't seen before and may not necessarily have formed an opinion yet on them. And Mm -hmm. so being able to provide some insight and Mm -hmm. remind them of values and expectations to be able to say, yeah, you know, this is new to me too, but this is how I feel right now. How do you feel right now? I think it's just so important with how quickly our society is moving that we are, that we are, in the loop when it comes to our kids so that we can continue to help to guide and direct them. And one of the best, because uh, I'm i one, I love hearing other people's advice. I listened to one uh, one young lady, young, older than me, but young. She, I asked, what would you, you know, when you had successful kids that you didn't kill and you raised them and they're, you know, in college, <laughs> how did you do it? And she said, well, I talked to them. I kept it hot. Mm. I was like, where'd you get that from? And it was from a preacher, uh, Tim Ross. 
and he goes with this acronym HOT, Humble, Open, Transparent. Mm. Choosing to be humble, open, and transparent. That's mm-hmm. what they need. Mm. When you're talking to your kids, be humble, open, and transparent. She was telling me that what she did was her, you know, if her daughter asked her a question, she'd be like, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm going to be honest with you. I may say that's not an answer I can give you right now. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to be honest with you. The other part was, and, you know, it, it depends on the parent and your personal experiences and things, but your experiences can help shape them the right way. Being able to talk to them uh, on global issues. Hey, I had a uh, I have a friend at work, you, you know, on the drive home. And it's just you and you, let's say son or daughter, son with this example. Hey, son, you know, I just man, I have a coworker. He's dealing with some binge drinking. Mm-hmm. You know what that is? And keeping the conversation global so it's not like you're zooming in on them at first. Mm-hmm. And it just being a conversation. What do you think about binge drinking? Do you know anybody, have any friends that talk about drinking? Mm-hmm. You I, I, know? You think so? What do you think about it? Yeah. Yeah, I think that too. Well, there, this part I have seen with some of my friends. This was my experience when you can give. And of course, the the goal is, you know, to be honest within reason, Mm -hmm. Um, not going too deep into too many stories, but not too shallow in too many stories. But making it to where, you know, if you were going to talk to this person, give them enough so that they understand what you're talking about. Yeah. And it's amazing because in talking to the kids, you know, the hot button topic is talking about sex most mm-hmm. kids never have had their parents talk about it mm-hmm. we could help their one if i were to give anything to parents who are worried in specific worried about their kids out there going and having sex it would be if you have now if you haven't bring your story talk mm-hmm. about your story but if you have and you've made mistakes talk to them about it yeah uh, you know, I did. I ended up being with this person and we did sleep together. And honestly, I wish that I wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, it wasn't the person I really wanted to be with. And time just went, I just let one thing lead to another. And it. it I wish I wouldn't have. Yeah. Those are the conversations that they need that they don't get. Because most parents are going, well, if I tell them about it, then they're going to judge me and look at me like I'm, you know, this or that. And if they are your biggest assets and they are your cheerleaders in times where you don't believe it. Now that's not to say they won't be kids and sometimes try to bring things back. So being wise with what you share, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. but being aware, yeah, they need to know, of course, you know, doing it with tact. Yeah. I wish that I would have waited or I Mm -hmm. wish that I would have had this. I, my mom told me that this person was no good and I didn't listen. Yeah. If more parents shared those kinds of stories with their kids, the kids would be better off. I can't say that it would completely change every kid and it's not a, you know, fix all formula at all, mm-hmm. but it would definitely help. Because mm-hmm. when I go in and talk to them, most of the kids I talked to in ninth grade never had a conversation with mom or dad. And if they do have a conversation, my dads do stuff like this. They go to their daughters and say, uh, baby girl, you think about sex? Don't ever do it. Great job. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Glad we had this talk. Mm-hmm. If you do, I'm going to shoot him. 
Great. Glad we had this conversation. <laughs> Sons, well, I got to say something. Uh, what can I say that's catchy, but it still makes sense? Okay. Don't be silly. Wrap your willy, son. There you go. That'll hold you. <laughs> there you go. That Son, you got it. You know, there you go. Mom's saying stuff like, well, my mom said, you know, let it be with the person you love and you really want to be with them. Well, how do you know who that is? Make it special. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? What does it make it special look like? Do you mean candles mm -hmm. and what does that mean? Make it special. Mm -hmm. Talk to them. Use one of the things that I used to say that used to drive my kids crazy and I still have to do to myself is say things like, especially when they're really little, use your words. They get frustrated and wouldn't be able to say something. It never stops. As an adult, use your use words. words. <laughs> you have to. You have to. Oh, you know, and as you're dialoguing this conversation, Antonio, I love how many questions you're posing to the kids. Like, that's the thing that I noticed as you as we were having this as you were having this mock conversation is, oh, well, tell me what you think about that. What does that mean to you? Because Their I love that matter. we are getting their opinion like we're showing them that you are important and you are smart and your opinions matter to mm -hmm. me and i want to hear them and so i love how many questions you were posing to that to that child through that conversation as well too because i don't think we do that enough either it's mm -hmm. a let me sit down and lecture you and then mm -hmm. we're gonna be done with this for the hopefully the next 10 or 15 years right mm -hmm. but Shut finding up, out what they know that's how we uh, go Shut up, sit yeah. down. Hey. I'm telling you. And so I learned that from uh, another program that we use, utilize called Family First. Mm -hmm. And Family First has it as a house and the top of the house, which I'm sorry, I can't give you a better mental image at the moment. But the top of the house has you are in charge. Parent is in charge. That never changes. But under it, kid has a voice. Mm -hmm. They have a voice still parent is in charge so even if mom i'm really hungry yes you have your voice and you have an opinion it's not dinner time yet we will i heard you we will eat dinner at eight o'clock though that's i know that's very late but i'm throwing it out we will eat dinner at this time right you that's you handle both i heard your request i hear what you're saying but i'm still in charge the other part is they have a role giving them a type of responsibility. You have a role in all of this. I, you said that you were hungry. I heard you. So this is what we'll do. When we get inside, you go ahead and get the plates out. This will help us move it along. Get the plates ready. Do you already know what drink you want? You can pour your drink. While I'm finishing getting the food, you have a role. As a matter mm -hmm. of fact, while you're getting your drink, there's four of us. Get the other four drinks. Would you mind? Having responsibility is one of the, I'm not going to lie, that's the dad part of me is you need to learn how to be responsible in life. Being a leader, you never stop being responsible. Mm -hmm. You get to where, and I joke with the kids about it, but you get to where you get responsible for you, then you get Boothang, mm -hmm. right? So then you become mm -hmm. responsible for you and for Boothang. Then you and Boothang decide to fall in love and y'all have a kid. Well, guess what? You're responsible for you, for Boothang, for your kid. Your yep. kid grows up. Kid gets responsible. Do you stop being responsible? No. You are then responsible for you, your boo thing, your kid, their boo thing. They become a son-in-law or daughter-in-law. And what's crazy about it is 
I then asked them, how many of y'all have ever seen your parents go into their parents' fridge? <laughs> Going into grandma and grandpa's fridge. Now, they may ask for permission, but do you still go in there? You're choosing to be responsible. Mm-hmm. It never stops. So understanding now, you're going to have to be responsible the rest of your life, but understand how to use it. Yeah. Taking responsibility is your power as a kid. And we don't look at it like that. It's a weird way to say it, but let's just go with teenager, 16, able to drive. Um, if their car were to run out of gas and they were to get stuck somewhere, run out of gas, they could, and some do, just I'm trying not to get, you know, into some people's personal experience. But if you your kid were to run out of gas and go, uh-oh, I ran out of gas. That's not my fault. It's not about fault. It's about responsibility. In it being about responsibility, okay, son, daughter, car is out of gas. You are responsible for that. You have to be aware of how much gas is in there, and then you have to put that gas in there. If you're going to have a car, this is your responsibility with that car. Well, here's the connection, and I connect it to emotions and yourself when it comes to relationships. You also have to be responsible with your own emotional uh, health and loving yourself. Something adults and kids are not good at is loving themselves Mm -hmm. consistently. And it's one of those cliche things like, girl, before you get in a relationship, you got to love yourself. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. What does that mean? It's looking at all these wonderful parts and going, oh, I'm going to take care of myself. Taking a day off and looking at yourself and working on yourself and being able to go, I can do this without feeling guilty or shameful. Yeah. To be by yourself. Me and my wife went on a date and she spent uh, it was just one date that she did it. But she was the whole time going, oh, my I hope my you know, I hope your mom is OK with my mom is good. She had six kids. <laughs> she knows what she's doing. Yeah. This is about us. <laughs> Enjoy our time. Don't feel guilty. They will be uh-huh. OK because mom guilt and the, the whole. Well, I just wish that I, it doesn't help you. It doesn't help them. Love yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had somebody that told me one time, healthy people attract other healthy people. You know, you talk about individuals that continue to fall into this cycle of unhealthy relationships. And they often ask themselves, why do I keep falling for Mm -hmm. this type of person? Or, you know, why do my relationships always go south? And I think it's what you're saying here, that if we spend that time focusing on ourselves and knowing what we want and building our self-esteem and our self-worth up, it just naturally comes that other people with those same qualities will gravitate towards us, both mm-hmm. romantically and non-romantic relationships. And so I think that is such a powerful reminder to everyone that you are a valuable individual. So take that time to build yourself up. Travel, explore, see, do. It makes a difference. Yeah. It really does. I wish we could bottle you up for about the next five hours so we could continue this discussion <laughs> because <laughs> there is so much more I want to ask you. But our time And I could go on and on, but I know that's not good for either of us. <laughs> so maybe le- let me leave you with one question. Um, if you could leave both our youth and our parents of youth with maybe one final piece of advice, what would you give to them? One piece of advice. I would bring in um, 
one more piece of advice I would bring in the RAM chart. Uh, there's a there's a doctor John Van Ipp who came up with this chart. It's the relationship attachment model, and what he does, and I sum it up as quick as I can to get so you can get the idea, is it goes. The more you know someone, the more you trust them, the more you trust them, the more you rely on them, the more you rely on them, the more you're committed, the more you're committed, the more you can touch. I break it down in about five minutes. I can do this in a short amount of time, I promise. It is there. I teach there are four loves that we all know from the Greek. There's agape, which is love for strangers. Um, and it's love for anybody. If somebody, you know, homeless was like, hey, do you have money? that I can have and you give a homeless person money or if you would help an old lady cross the street or not get hit by a car, agape mm -hmm. love. There's filio love. Filio is brotherly love. It's the love you have for your friends. And it's you if you have a really close friend, which the term today is twin, if you have a really close friend, that person who can come to your house and spend the night and they could come to your, go in your fridge and your mom would be like, yeah, that's fine. That person, filio love. Then you have storge. Storge is the Greek word that's connected with blood. It's we have a bond that is blood related. That's mom, dad, brother, sister, auntie, uncle, cousin, right? Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He got in one little fight. His mom <laughs> moved him with them, right? <laughs> blood because they were blood. It's when you see somebody at family reunion, you're like, hey, and they're like, hey, and you're like, I don't really know who they are. That's your cousin. Oh, okay. <laughs> blood. And then the last one, is where we get the word uh, eros, which is where we get erotic. And eros, mm -hmm. eros, actually means more than what we've made it today. And that is we've made it to where it's passionate sexual love, but it originally meant two becoming one. Mm. And what I try to give the kids is imagine being stuck on the side of a cliff and hanging by just your pointer fingers, holding them up. That's mm -hmm. what we've made it today is, oh no, you're falling. I'll take my pointer fingers and pick you up. Or would you rather have what they originally mean, which would be to grasp their whole hand to mm -hmm. become one? Which one would you rather have if you were falling off the side of a cliff? Yeah. And so I bring it into perspective with this. Imagine how this is how crazy our culture has gotten. Imagine using that same example, those four that I just went with, using a shower, basic shower. Again, touchy subject for some people, but work with me. So how OK with with it is it for you if a husband and a wife take a shower together mm -hmm. most of the kids in the class most adults would be like yeah that's fine they're husband and wife that's fine cool what about so that's eros eros in his original meaning what about storge is it okay for mom and kid to take a shower together and then everybody looks at me and goes whoa how old are you talking about like <laughs> two three you know two year old three year old yeah that's fine okay what about 14 year old no they can't be in the same shower uh -huh. Can they be in the bathroom? Yeah. If kid knocks and is like, hey, mom, I need to grab my toothbrush or grab my hairbrush. Can kid come in, grab toothbrush, hairbrush, and then close the door with the shower curtain closed? Absolutely. Most people feel like that's okay. You know, general consensus. Mm -hmm. That's cool. What about best friend? Can best friend at your school, can best friend be in the bathroom while you're in the shower? For some ladies, they're like, yeah, you know, but guys, it's a complete no. He cannot be in the bathroom while I'm in the shower, especially if he's got to do number two. He's got to get out. He's got to go find a neighbor <laughs> somewhere over there. Right. I bring it up to be silly, but to keep them engaged. But then I bring up this last one, which is. 
So stranger, can stranger be in the shower while you're in the shower? No, no. Well, okay, can stranger be in the bathroom while you're in the shower? No. Can stranger be outside your door while you're in the bathroom shower? Can he be outside your front door? So not living room, not shower, not bathroom. Can they be outside your front yard? And usually they're, they're like, yeah, it's fine as long as they're not in my, like mm-hmm. I, all the other doors are locked. And I, then I point out, but when you look at culture, what culture says is if you have a one night stand, a sneaky link, a quickie with this person that you've never met, you literally took person all the way stranger. Yeah. You took them all the way and put them shower level. Hmm. And you were okay with it. You're okay with that idea. Shower level intimacy without any knowledge, any facts, anything else. And you looked at me like I was weird. Mm-hmm. It's, it matters to have those attachment pieces go in that order. The more you know somebody, the more you rely, like the steps just go in that order. Touch should be off the table in any parts of those relationships until you've had a lot of time. If I were to leave you with anything, touch, take it off the table until you've had much more time. Because touch can confuse your mind and trick you. It actually does trick you into feeling like you're closer to somebody than you really are. are. And I think that would be what I'd leave. Yeah. Oh, I love the RAM model. I'm so glad you shared that. (laughs) And we will include, for those those listeners out there that are unfamiliar with uh, Dr. Van Epps from model. We'll include that in the show notes as well. Man, too, as his book, the how, to fall, how to Avoid Falling in Love with a Jerk. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thanks for bringing that up. Um, So many wonderful things. I, I appreciate everything you have shared. And like I said, we could talk for hours, but I think what you've given us have been such insightful tools. And I know that our audience is so grateful for this information that you've given. So thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we loved it. And I just, there's so much great information and so many great analogies. I love that being able to paint that picture for, for kids and for parents um, to help explain hard things. So thank you so much for being with us. We thank everyone for tuning in and listening as well. We want to remind you to be kind and patient with yourself and just we'll see you back here next week thank you for listening to the parents place podcast if you would like to reach us you can at parents at the familyplaceutah.org or you can reach jen on facebook jen daily dash the family place please check out our show notes for any additional information Our website is thefamilyplaceutah.org if you're interested in any of our upcoming virtual classes. We'd love to see you there.